Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I am your host, Isaac Etter, founder of Identity. You may be familiar with our product, The Learning Community, which is a community for adoptive and foster parents. We provide them with resources, support, and community all from their phone. You are here because you've heard about this awesome show that we've been recording called Let's Talk Adoption. And in this show, we're going to be covering all different um, areas of the adoption world. We're going to be talking to adoptees, adoptive parents, adoption professionals, therapists. Uh, we really want to dive into a lot of topics here um, in the adoption and foster care world. And so I'm so glad you joined us for our first episode, which is Let's Talk Adoption. And we're joined with Anna Coley here, and I'm so excited to talk with her. She is an amazing professional. And so let's dive into the conversation. You have done a lot of amazing work, and we are honored to have you here today. Thank you so much, so much. (laughs) Absolutely. On this first episode of Let's Talk Adoption, I just thought you were the perfect person, one, with that amazing experience. Uh, but also just because of the amazing story you have of working in the field for so many years, being a foster parent, being an adoptive parent, you bring in so many perspectives. Uh, and I think that's actually unique uh, to have somebody. I think we often hear about people becoming adoptive parents and then maybe working in adoption. But what you had is years of working in the field and then becoming an adoptive parent, uh, not to mention all your other accolades along the way. Um, and so I have one first question to start us off today, uh, which I think you'll be great at. Um, you have so much experience in adoption. How would you simply just describe adoption? I would simply describe adoption as my life's work. Um, I think we're all created to do something. I think our creator makes us to do something specific in this world. And I think that this was the thing that I was created to do, not only to um, be a mother through adoption, but to help other families form through adoption. So it truly is my life calling and my life's work. Absolutely. You can tell that uh, through your experience. <laughs> um, you've seen a lot of adoption, I'm sure. You've seen different placements, the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think especially today, as we look at some of the history of adoption um, and many of the adoptees that are uh, speaking out, we can see that there is a lot of negative adoption, but we can also see that there's a lot of pros. So why don't you talk to us maybe a little bit about what you've seen as some of the really big positives of adoption, but then also some of the negatives where we still need to work and get better at. Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen the narrative in adoption change um, over time. I will say in my experience in the field, just even the the conversations that we have as as individuals and as organizations and as systems around adoption have changed. But really, those positives have remained the same. The positives of adoption are about creating families for kids and creating families for uh, couples who maybe aren't able to grow their family in other ways. That's the true heart and soul of adoption. But also, of course, the positive, the, the permanency for children and youth who have been waiting or in our child welfare systems, a connection through adoption, belonging. Um, and, and most importantly for me, the, the po- most positive part of adoption is that demonstration of agape love. So that love as an action and love as a sacrifice. That is the, that is the heart and the core of adoption and, and probably the biggest positive that comes out of it, just that agape love. Um, on the flip side, you know, 
the challenge remains, you know, while the, the finding that belonging through family is a positive in, ado- in adoption, it's also a negative because that sense of belonging and that sense of identity can really be confusing for adoptees or even for adoptive parents as you enter into that relationship as, as a family in a new family system. I'll also say that, that one of the challenges in adoption is the unknowns, particularly when we look at situations of closed adoptions or adoptions from foster care, those questions and those what ifs that often go unanswered and leave um, adoptees or even families to create their own narrative around what could have been or what should be, um, which can really, um, you know, impact an, an individual's overall well-being. I'll also say false narratives that come up just with anecdotal data that you'll see online or, you know, in the media or social media around adoption and what it truly looks like. I think, um, you know, we, we live in a time where we are overloaded on information and it's not always correct and accurate information. And so just the false narrative around the time frame for adoption and some of the grief and loss that happens, uh, in adoption gets, gets kind of twisted or left out of the narrative. And then of course, you know, in, in situations of transracial or transcultural adoption, um, the loss of connection to community or culture of origin uh, can also be um, a complication in adoption. Yeah. And thank you for sharing those. I think you brought up one, just like the beautiful side of adoption. I love using the word agape love because I think, especially as an adoptee, it can be annoying for like adoption to always be like, oh, it's about love, it's about love. But I think you balance it out so well, which because you don't lose the love in adoption. Like that is a sacrifice. It is a choice. I believe my adoptive parents loved me and chose me, and that was a part of their decision. But it doesn't negate all the other complications that come along the way. Mm-hmm. So I really loved how you framed it like that, uh, because I think it's something that we try to do here at Identity as well, which is say, like, we know you want to be the best parents you can be. We know you did this because you love this child. We just want to give you the tools and resources to be able to keep loving them better and better and better in the ways that they need. Exactly. Um, and so I love that description. Mm-hmm. And, might be feeling it from you at some point that agape love. (laughs) And so you did mention something towards the tail end that I think I want to dive into a little bit more, which is like, what do we get wrong when talking about adoption? You mentioned data. You mentioned, you know, you losing our culture. Uh, What are some common things that you see in kind of this, like, maybe the social media or this information overload world about adoption? Because we tend to see a lot of parents come into the learning community because of that, you know, they were told one thing about adoption by whoever, their agency, social media, and then they get into adoption, like, we had no clue that our child was going to deal with it. And so what do you think we get wrong with adoption? Yeah, I'd say the main thing that we uh, get wrong in adoption is that narrative around a better life that adoption gives children a better life. I I think we really have to, as adoption professionals, as adoptive parents, change that language because we are not, adoption is not giving a child a better life. It's giving them a different life. And I'll kind of use myself as an example with my sweet daughter, Zola, who we welcomed through adoption in March of 2020. Um, I am not giving Zola a better life because we um, have access to more resources maybe than her birth mother had um, or our home life may be uh, different or more stable than hers, that doesn't mean she's having a better life because we can't raise her in a home with her siblings, um, her three biological siblings. So can we say that one is better than the other? It's simply just different. So I think we really have to embrace and lean into um, adoption is not giving children a better life. It's giving them a different life, a beautiful life either way, uh, but a, a different life. And I think many 
families step into adoption um, with an attitude of benevolence. And there is a benevolent component to adoption. But I think that's where that narrative of we're giving a child a better life. And then sometimes on the flip side, when the adoption happens and they recognize some of the things that a child wrestles with in that adoption, like we talked about, that sense of belonging uh, and, and that connection to community or culture of origin, it feels different and it's shocking that, but I, I'm giving you this better life. And, and why is this not going well? And so I think it really does require something sim as simple as changing language and how we speak about adoption and what that means. Wow, that's great. I think people can forget how much like just changing words can mean. I think sometimes yeah. we get so stuck in our ways, especially in adoption and foster care, that we forget to change things up a little bit that, you know, we have new data, we have new information. How can we prepare yeah. families better? You know, I think it's all about like, how do we give these children the best life? And sometimes yeah. when I when I yeah. see exactly what you're talking about, this mindset of this language being used uh, to maybe get more people to apply to be foster parents or to get more people to adopt, I'm always like, well, yeah. is that is that really setting the child up for the best life? You know what I mean? We're exactly. we're giving exactly. these parents this, not this false sense because certainly maybe the parents' life will be better as parents. Maybe yeah. we know that yeah. conversation is difficult. I know we're both right there. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so more, more, more better at times, right? Um, but when we go into that mindset, like you said, when these issues of grace and loss come up, you know, parents can sometimes be confused, hurt. Um, they can feel a sense of rejection because they came into this with the wrong mindset. Um, I think one of my story is such a unique twist on it too. You know, I started dealing with depression, anger around being adopted when I was five years old because I found out my birth mother had had another daughter and kept her, right? And so my parents were not prepared for that struggle. I think they handled it well. I think they did a great job. But I can only imagine how many parents go through struggles like that when they were told, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, this is going to be a better life, you know, all that. And then to have, you know, your child deal with that and pain, not only do you hurt for your child, but you also are hurt and confused yourself trying to figure out the best answer. Um, and so I hope what we're doing here to help parents, uh, one, go into adoption still with that agape love and that motivation and that hype but that we need as children, right? We as foster children need you to come in with that love and that hype, but also with that sense of, okay, this is going to be a different, we're going to need different tools to do this, but it's still going to be great. Yeah. And this is going to be a different life, yeah. not a better, life, a better life, but a different life. Different life. Yeah. Not a better <laughs> life, a different, life, a different yeah. one, exactly. <laughs> you know? And I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Preparing parents for what it really looks like. Um, and then a lot of times when parents are, are left to fill in those gaps where the questions come up, the why, like you said in your own story, you know, why, why did you keep this one and not me and being prepared to have the unknowns, to, to not know the answer why and sit in that space of grief and loss with the child. It's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can go even deeper personalized because you, you, you've gone from adoptive professional to adoptive parent. Um, and so I'd love to hear a little bit about your story there, but I'd also love to hear like, what did, what changed? Because something had to change, right? You spend all this time in theory, you're a foster parent, you learn into that. But, you know, I know just from, you know, becoming a parent, it's a different experience becoming a biological parent. But you read the books, you read the articles, it's still so different when you become a parent. And so I can only imagine the same is true for becoming an adoptive parent. 
um, even with your extensive knowledge. So talk a little bit about how you became a foster parent and what changed? How did your perspective change on adoption when you became one? Sure. So, yeah, adoption is something that we always thought would be a part of our family story. Um, and so my husband and I became licensed as foster parents, and we soon found that really we wanted uh, permanency. And where right now, you know, that the need is really for parents who can foster and really help support the reunification of children with their families of origin. And so we found that that really wasn't the right fit with us, and we solely wanted to focus on adoption, not knowing that... Um, in our journey, infertility would become part of our journey and adoption would be our only option for building a family. And so that's kind of how we landed in the domestic infant adoption space. And being someone who has worked in the field for many years, I have created so many families and have been so blessed to sit with people um, in those special moments of when their family is formed. Um, I will say my perspective changed completely when I was sitting on the other side of the table and I wasn't the one that had the, the power and the control in the situation, if that makes sense, um, where I really had to rely on someone else to help me get to where I wanted to be, which was to be a mother and to have a family. Um, and that took a lot of surrender, <laughs> um, you know, that, that I hadn't expected maybe because I was like, well, nobody's going to be able to do adoption better than me. That's my thing. But it, it feels really different. Um, when you're sitting on the other side of the table. So one thing that really changed my perspective um, as a professional going through my experience of adopting my daughter is really how we as professionals assess readiness in adoptive families, especially those who are adopting after infertility, um, because there is so much grief and loss connected to the journey of infertility. And there's grief and loss, loss that sits in the space of adoption. So how do we assess families and their own um, healing and well-being, ensuring that they're ready to step into the space to move forward with adoption because it, it takes a level of commitment. And that's another journey. You know, if the family has already navigated infertility and now they're stepping into another journey of uncertainty, really being more intentional about how we assess that readiness. I also found that someone who has been the director of an adoption agency, um, really being okay with telling families no or not right now when they apply. Um, and, and really removing the yes uh, from the revenue in the decision making, if that makes sense. Because oftentimes there are certain metrics that agencies have to make to bring families in. Um, and that puts families who maybe aren't ready or who don't have, haven't had the, the training or the education they need to really fully be prepared to move forward with an adoption. And so I think being okay with telling families, you need a little more work, you need a little more time before we can bring you in and start presenting you to families. Um, and then lastly, I really just began to understand the true need for post-adoption services, comprehensive post-adoption services, more than handing families a flyer as they finalize their adoption in court and wishing them the best and tell them, oh, call all these numbers or call these support groups and see what you find, but really walking someone and handing them to that service. Because when I found myself on the other side, and there were no services available to help me. I, I didn't fit in the space with people who had their children biologically, and I didn't fit in the space with parents who were maybe foster parents or adopting from foster care. I was somewhere in the middle, and I didn't fit in either area. So really making sure that resources are available to help families on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And you know we're all about that here. That's, you know, that's what we're trying to yes. do. <laughs> and that's where you come in. Yeah. And so, you know, I think those are, I think those are all really unique and important. Just, I can, I can only imagine just that, like you said, that like kind of confusing power shift of like, you've been sitting mm -hmm. on the other side of the table the whole time, 
expecting families, and now you're being this that that had to be such yeah. a unique, complicated <laughs> part of the journey. I can also see how like it almost could feel weird. It's like, what do you mean? I'm <laughs> what do you mean I'm doing this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I always think yeah. about adopting yeah. myself and I'm like, oh it's probably gonna be super weird going through like, you know, my twenty to thirty hours of adoption education and like sitting in those assessments. Yeah. Like I'll probably learn a lot, but it will probably be kind of confusing and, and weird. Um and so I can only imagine 100%. what it was for you <laughs> being a director of an agency. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Here's a here's a kind of add-on question. You mentioned um, assessing families differently. What exactly do you think you would tr- change about this process in assessing families? Um, because I think you're right. Like, yeah, you know, there's different journeys that people go through, especially after infertility. Uh, but I've also heard of like home studies where you know you find memorabilia on the wall that doesn't align with how they want to adopt. Or you find all these different things and then you're not sure whether they should pass through and you should approve them because it seems like they did everything else well. And so how do you think about this assessment process as a whole? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think in the assessment process, we have to look more at... um, move away from kind of the, the wants and the needs to what is. Uh, I think we oftentimes look at intention in our assessment and what a family maybe intends to to provide for a child or the type of, you know, environment they intend to have. But I think we really have to look and lean into what is. So like you said, really, if, for example, if it's a family that is looking to pursue a transracial or transcultural adoption, how do we really dig down and assess does this family have the resources and the capacity to support this child's ongoing development that aligns with their cultural identity? If you're looking to adopt a a black child, do you have black people in your community? Do you know anybody black? Do you invite them into your home? You know, just those simple things. And it it sounds, you know, silly and very basic, but it's so, so important because you can have a heart for something, but not have the capacity and the resources to do that thing. Um, and I think we have to be really intentional about how we assess and measure that. And I also think we have to do a better job at assessing support that families have and real concrete support. You know, people may say, oh, we've got friends and family, but really who's that person you're going to be able to call in the middle of the night when you're exhausted and you need a break, when when you're you know dealing with your own feelings of grief and loss, who's your support system? So helping them really carve out a concrete plan for who the support is for what thing. And then lastly, of course, I think better assessment with financial planning, um, particularly with families who have gone through infertility, which is very expensive um, to deal with and how they plan to financially, um, you know, afford their adoption while also caring for a new baby that could come at any minute. It, it's a very big thing to take on. It's very stressful. Um, it can really put a strain on marital relationships and things like that. So I think we really have to ha- help families think through some of those components so that they have a tangible plan um, and, and know how to, to walk forward in the journey. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. And those are some things I hadn't thought about too. Um, and so thanks for sharing all that because I do think that all three of those were just deeply, deeply important. And so you've gone through your own assessment. You maybe you gone through the transition. You and your husband are happy adoptive parents now. Yes. Uh, you have a beautiful daughter, oh, yes. Lola. Uh, so what has surprised you about this journey? So maybe not about the process in it, but now you're a parent. You're in the work. 
you're doing the day by day, no more sitting on the other side of the table, you're just being a parent. Yeah. What has been surprising, yeah. even with your background, maybe? What has been surprising about you? Yeah. So I have a, three things that come to mind that, that have been really surprising for me in this journey. Um, and the first one was um, having a closed adoption at a time where most agencies are encouraging openness yeah. and really like pulling at people to say, yes, you have to be open. You have to be open. And then for us to get get to this process where we were wide open and ready to, to love our birth mother and and have her choose a closed adoption has been something that's been um you know, interesting and surprising to navigate, uh, and, and, you know, partially because I just want the opportunity to tell her thank you for making me a mother and, and not having the opportunity to express my gratitude to her and, and my love for her has been really surprising of how much that has impacted me. You know, people are like, but isn't that a good thing? Then you don't have to deal with it. And, and it's not a good thing because that leaves a lot of unknowns in my daughter's story that we will have to kind of navigate. So that's the other thing that's been surprising to me. I have walked with so many families and adoptees and learning their story and how to, um, it, you know, in an empowering way, tell their adoption story. But man, in my own life with my own daughter, I, I am really you know, surprised that I'm, I struggle to help her understand her story um, and, and help her own that and help her, you know, sit in the unknowns, even though she's only two, we really try to go at, you know, we try to, to tell her her story as much as we can already, but it's hard, uh, much harder than I thought having done it a million times with other families. It's really hard when it's, when it's my own. Um, and then lastly, I was just surprised by the experience of post-adoption depression, uh, which kind of mimics postpartum that we see uh, with women who have babies uh, biologically um, as someone, you know, when, when it happened to me, I was very confused um, and afraid because, you know, wh when I told people how I was feeling, they were like, well, isn't this what you wanted? It's not like you had a baby. So what's wrong with you? And so then I felt like, well, what is wrong with me? Like, why, why is, why am I feeling this way? Um, and then as, of course, as I did some more research, I really learned more about post-adoption depression and, and how that manifests and what it looks like. Um, and really found some some communities online to kind of help me work through some of that. But that was something that was really surprising and definitely something we don't talk about in the adoption yeah, community. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've had so many conversations with adopted moms about post-adoption uh, depression um, and really dived into that and really understanding, you know, even how it can feel to just walk out of the hospital with this child that you didn't give birth to, that you're, that you're ready to love but how that can still be really a, a heavy experience. And so I appreciate you bringing that up because again, I think you're right. It's not talked about enough. Um, and a lot of parents need support through those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we have to make it okay to have those conversations. Like you said, it doesn't mean that you're not yeah. prepared to, to love that child and you're not just as excited uh, about the, the blessing that they are, but it, it's, um, it, sometimes it is a drastic yeah. life change. Almost for us, it was overnight. We got a call one morning that exactly. we were parents. And so it's really trying to learn your own identity in this new space very abruptly. And you did, don't have time to kind of grieve who you were and accept yeah. who you are. And so I think we do have to make space for those you conversations. So, oh, add that to identity, <laughs> yeah. add that to your, no, I, <laughs> to your conversations. Me, me. It's, been, it's been in my mind for so long. There's so many things that I want to bring. And I know we've had these conversations. We, there's endless things. So there's, there's endless support that parents, especially adopted and foster parents need. Um, and I think that's just, I think that's just powerful to share because like, I remember having nine months 
of like transitioning and having, you know, sometimes weeks at a time of like mourning, like, huh, my life is really about to change forever. And so I can only imagine like, the acceleration of just like, even though you've gone through everything and you know you're waiting for the call, it's like all of a sudden you've gone from zero to a hundred um, and there's no even time to really say, oh, what is this? Like, what is tomorrow going to be? Um, and so, wow, thanks so much for sharing that and, and for your openness and your vulnerability. You know, before we close up here, I would love to hear what has been your best moment, though. You and your husband are probably fantastic parents. And I'm sure there's so many great moments, especially from that zero to two. There's so many just, you know, watching your kids walk for the first time. It's just, there's so many beautiful moments. What has been one of your favorite moments so far? Oh, you know, there's been so many. Um, You know, and I'm I'm biased. I think Zola is just the most amazing kid there is. But I will say one of the the sweetest moments for us uh, in our journey, um, it was... Uh, the day her, we got the final order of adoption in the mail and I went to pick her up from daycare and, um, I told her daycare teacher, uh, we got her final order of adoption. You know, she's adopted. It's finalized. And she said, you know what? All day, Sola has been different. She's been excited. She's been, um, really active. You know, at the time she was about six months old. Um, and they said, she's just been different today. She's had a different energy. And so it's just like, Somehow she knew in her spirit uh, that that she was adopted and it was final that day. And so that was very precious for us because it's just like somehow she yeah. knew, you know, that it was permanent and that she was ours and we were hers uh, forever. And so that was a really, really sweet moment to have with her. That's, that's beautiful and so encouraging to hear. I'm, <laughs> wow. That, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for everything. You yeah. Today. Yeah. I think this has just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think you just bring so much depth to this, just, this is just the introductory, yeah. you know what I mean, of what this show is going to cover, yeah. I mean, what adoption really is, and I think you've done such a great job of, like, really balancing out these highs and lows that we all feel, um, and I'm going to walk away with that agape love, love, love example, that's just so fantastic, <laughs> um, so, Anna, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, uh, thank you so much, everybody who's listening, uh, this is, this is so exciting for me, I'm so excited for this show, to be honest, um, you know, we had Anna here to talk about really her professional and parent perspective. Uh, but episode two is with Tony Hines to give his perspective on these topics as an adoptee. Uh, and so stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Let's Talk Adoption. If you enjoyed that episode, you can find out more about what we do here at Identity at identitylearning.co. That's C-O. And if you go down to the show notes, you can find out more information about Anna. You can sign up for a weekly alerts about when we drop episodes. And you can find our website. We hope to see you again next week for our episode with Tony Hines. And thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Adoption.